Hello, and welcome to Sports Ball on Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. My name is Matt Melmsetter. This is an expedition into the history of the game. Why is the game the way that it is? Is it because of the ball? Why is the ball the way that it is? Is it because of the game? Many questions. Many will not be answered. But some of them? Maybe. This week on Sports Ball, we have the baseball. I guess it has something to do with the ball. Today, we'll take a look at the baseball, the ball of the great American pastime, a modernist icon. We have an official Major League Baseball in studio today, as well as a diamond official league baseball. We'll do a nice comparison. According to baseball historian David Block, the game of baseball is a North American interpretation of a traditional English and Irish game known as rounders. Rounders originated in England and had a regional variant cousin which closely resembled the game of baseball. The Prince of Wales played in similar games which were recorded and dated around 1745. The early form of the game was brought to North America by British immigrants landing in Canada and the northern parts of the United States. In 1845, after years of uncodified rule sets swept the nation, Alexander Cartwright of the New York Knickerbockers began to lead a movement to codify the Knickerbocker rules. On June 19, 1846, the New York Knickerbockers played in the first officially recorded baseball game in the United States with their rules and were defeated by the New York Nine 23-1. Despite this embarrassing loss, the Knickerbockers won the war as their code became the basis for the evolution of the game of baseball. In the mid-1850s, ball clubs in the New York area elected to standardize the ball's weight at 5.5 to 6 ounces and its circumference somewhere between 8 to 11 inches, resulting in a larger, heavier, and less lively ball than previous. There's obviously some room for variety, but it was the first step towards regulation. Before this, pitchers would often create their own balls and make their own balls, and teams would play with the pitcher's own ball. Talk about home field advantage. In 1876, the National League was founded as a more well-ran version of its predecessor, the National Association of Baseball Players. The American League was founded out of the Western League in 1893. By now, rules were established and consistent. According to the Smithsonian Magazine, the original baseballs were often cobbled together from old rubber shoe roommates, wrapped in worn leather and stitched together with four rows of cross-stitching, making an X. These balls were smaller and called the lemon peel ball. They were lighter in weight, darker in color, and softer in feel than today's ball. 
these lemon peel balls were constructed of either a rubber core or a sturgeon's eye, wound in yarn and wrapped in a single piece of leather. Because of the softness of these early balls, uh, there was a rule where you could throw the ball at someone and they would be out. It was called soaking. That rule went away as the balls got much harder. The MLB actually has a vague rule for ball specifications. Uh, It's rule 1.09. The ball shall be a sphere formed by yarn wound around a small core of cork, rubber, or similar material covered with two strips of white horsehide or cowhide tightly stitched together. It shall weigh not less than 5 nor more than 5.25 ounces and measure not less than 9 nor more than 9.25 inches in circumference. In 1876, Harwood and Sons built the first factory dedicated to baseball production in Natick, Massachusetts, and was the first to mass-produce the figure-eight design. And in 1876, with the development of standardized rules in National League, came the decision to choose a standardized ball. Previous to this, ball choice was, the key, was a key factor in home field advantage, as teams with more dominant defenses and pitching staffs may pick more dead balls to defeat offensive powerhouses or vice versa. In 1908, the cork core baseball was invented, replacing the previous rubber balls. These cork balls lasted longer, flew farther, and pushed baseball past the dead ball era, as ballmakers began to understand the makings for a live ball, tighter winds under the leather, and a cork core. In 1925, Milton Reach patented a new core, the cushion core. It was a cork center coated in black semi-vulcanized rubber and then coated again in red rubber. Vulcanization is a rubber hardening process, invented by the tire man, Charles Goodyear. It took until 1934 for the American League and the National League to agree on a standard ball. Even then, the American League was known for its run scoring and big hitters, and the National League was known for its pitcher's duels. The ball has remained largely unchanged since 1934. For over a hundred years, the official baseball of the National League was produced by Spalding. Today, it is produced by Rawlings, and we have a Rawlings official Major League Baseball in studio today alongside of a Diamond D-O-L-A official league baseball, the official baseball of the NFHS, the National Federation of High School Sports Associations. First, we'll start with the official Major League Baseball. The official Major League Baseball uh, is made by Rawlings. It's a stark, pure white It has the uh, famous MLB Swinging Man Bat logo on the uh, bottom side of it. So underneath the official Major League Baseball with Robert D. Manfred Jr.'s commissioner signature. Uh, Underneath that is going to be the logo. And above that, uh, we consider the official Major League Baseball kind of sign as the, the center of the ball. On top of that is the blue Rawlings logo. Um, the baseball stands out as kind of a, a simple, minimalist, modernist icon, a defining design of an entire culture. I, I, I think that there's very few balls in sport more iconic and more tied to America as a country and America as a societal culture than the baseball. It's stark, plain look with those 108 
bright red contrasting stitches that loop around it as it spins and glides and cuts through the air. It's special. The baseball is a special, special, special ball. Something that's photogenic in every way and every moment. Something that it has such tiny details down to the slight dimples and wears in the leather. It can be cut and it can be worn in so quickly and it can lose all of its sheen and glisten. If you're ever watching a baseball game, notice how the catcher or the pitcher will often kind of scrub a little bit of dirt on it, kind of work it in a little bit. They will rub it into their hands, get some hand oil on it, work off the glisten and shine of a brand new baseball. This baseball's never been used, the one that we have in the studio today. And, you know, if, if if a ball has not been used yet, if it's if it's brand new, if it's thrown out from the umpire to the pitcher, it's a little slick, it's a little uh, slippery, and so working that in is going to give the pitcher just a bit more grip and a bit more control and a bit better feeling on the ball. Um, whenever you're using something that's made with leather, this goes for leather basketballs, leather footballs, and the leather baseballs. You know, it, it takes a little bit of a time to wear in. It's like a nice leather boot, a nice red wing boot, a nice uh, ball glove, if you will. It takes time to wear in and become, you know, so perfectly usable. And something that has been worn in is the other ball that we have in studio today, and that's the uh, Diamond DOLA Official League. This is a ball that I've had for years now. I used this when I played baseball in high school. There's is almost completely worn away. There's scuffs. You can see where a bat has hit it. There's a little bit of marking on it. Um, and baseball is unlike any other sport in that way is that the ball will retain moments of of excitement and exasperation and intensity that a basketball or a football will not hold on to. There's no way for a you know, like a, a De Marini branding to get stamped into a a basketball. There's no way for, you know, a Nike swoosh from your shoe to get stamped into a basketball on a nice play. This official league basketball has has some some scuffs, some scars. It's it's seen dirt, it's seen turf, it's seen it all, and it shows it all on its leather cover. The differences between these two balls specifically, outside of their wear, outside of their use. The Major League Baseball is just a little bit bigger, I would say. Um, but the major defining difference, both of these balls were pure white when they began. The Major League Baseball has not been used, so it is still pure white. The Official League Baseball is a, I would say, a darker brown, uh, a, a, sorry, a lighter brown, a darker beige, perhaps, a tan, the green diamond stamp on the top is in the same position that the Rawlings logo is in. Um, it says official league right where the official major league baseball sign is. Um, and there's worn away text underneath. There's no other logos or anything. They both have bright red stitching. And the stitching is where we're going to get into the kind of biggest difference between these two balls overall is that the official league stitching is a little bit uh, more curved. And it's also raised higher off of the ball 
Uh, a Major League Baseball, the stitching is pretty flat to the ball, and it's uh, kind of less of a tighter loop around. It it kind of drags a little bit in the shape of the curve of the horseshoes. It is not as, as intense as this diamond ball is. Now, back to the stitching in terms of the height of it. Now, the stitching on the Diamond Official League Baseball. Remember, this is the official baseball of the National Federation of High School Sports Associations. This is intended for use in high school. Maybe lower-level colleges might use this. The higher the stitching, the more movement you're going to be able to get on the ball. So for pitchers, for lower-level, less-skilled pitchers than a professional baseball pitcher, the higher the stitching, the more uh, friction it'll generate through the air when you throw a curveball, when you throw a two-seam fastball, when you throw a sinker, when you throw a slider, and it's going to allow the ball to move more. Where the baseball, the major league baseball, the stitches are really low and, and flat, and so it, it's much more determinant on if the pitcher has the skill to generate enough curve and enough spin to get the ball to break how he wants it versus the official league where it's a lot easier to do that. This year is the earliest opening day in MLB history. March 28th, 2019. It's a Thursday. There's 15 games. On average, teams go through 100 baseballs per game. There will be 1,500 baseballs, approximately, used on March 28th. Another distinct difference between the baseball and every other uh, ball that we've talked about covered on sports ball and will cover in the future here on sports ball is that the best baseballs are still not very expensive the official major league baseball now i i don't want to say that this is the best baseball that's a a large statement to make for a ball but it is the official ball of the highest level of play in america and it costs with a beautiful uh, crystalline plastic case 15 to 20 dollars if you'll remember with the basketball the official nba basketball made out of leather costs up to 170 dollars a fiba basketball costs about 120 dollars a a the duke the official ba- football of the nfl costs 100 dollars the uh, wilson gst the official uh, football of, of a couple different college conferences costs $79. These balls are expensive. They're, you can't waste them. They, they, you buy them, and you, you can use them for life. They exist for so long, and you can buy these baseballs and use them for life. They can exist for so long. I, I, this diamond ball in particular is, is, I would say, four to five years old. But a baseball can be purchased for so little and and that's the importance and what has helped to allow the spread of the game is that the buy-in isn't all that much when i was a kid i would hear stories from from parents uh who grew up around me that they would make gloves out of, of milk cartons, you know, and, and, and play in the alleyways. They'd play stickball in the alleyways with the, che- with the cheap baseball that they bought from Ace Hardware and a broomstick and, and bases were hats and they'd play with a milk carton as a glove. And 
the game of baseball is so beautiful that it can be played anywhere in any time and the rules and the design of the field is all perfect and can be scaled up can be scaled down can be scaled to fit any environment uh, I live in Roscoe Village here in Chicago and and when I walk down to the coffee shop down the street from my house there's a small yard where uh, a family has chalked in a, a mound and a home plate and a first base and a second base on the sidewalks. And I'm sure these children are less than six or seven years old, but are able to fit a game of baseball in just in their small front yard and the sidewalk and boulevard in a Chicago neighborhood. The game of baseball can exist anywhere and everywhere, and that's part of the beauty and part of 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 the appeal of this this true American pastime and the modernist icon that is the official Major League Baseball. Thank you for listening to Sportsball this week. Uh, hopefully, you'll be listening on Opening Day, and this will be a a an insightful look into all of the things that are happening on the field in relation to the ball and not the players at all. Um, because I don't know why. I don't know at all, but the ball's fun too, right? So you get a lot of stories about the players, not a lot of stories about the ball. <laughs> all right, uh, I think I have other things to say. For Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons, my name is Matt Malmsetter. Have a good weekend. Have a nice time. Have a nice life. I love you. I guess it has something to do with the ball.